take it away, Arnie. <laughs> Name the reference. Harry Potter. Which one? Uh, the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Within like the first 20 minutes of the movie. He's such a nerd. He's on the uh, night bus. Yep. The, anyway. The triple decker. <laughs> Uh, but your name's not Ernie Your name is Courtney But you can still take it away <laughs> Thanks I appreciate it So obviously last week Did a number on me because Now I just want to be closer to you So <laughs> you could Sit next to me not across from me today Hope you're okay with that Well yeah my, my neck already has a little bit of a crink in it but A crink? Yeah A kink? Yeah That's what I meant <laughs> <laughs> We don't kink shame <laughs> nope not in this house <laughs> except for if you're weird then we'll shame you just kidding um hi hey long time no talk sometimes it actually feels like that because mm-hmm. even though we live in the same house and we're married to each other. We're in the same room most of the time. We <laughs> barely pay attention to each other 90% of the time. So, yep. hi. I guess that's what it's like having uh, two children. Hey, roommate. And a full-time job. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, it's good. Um, yeah. Any any uh, major life updates that I don't know about? Um, I'm pregnant. I knew I'm just it. kidding. No, I don't. Mm, no, not really. <laughs> okay. Just, Anything uh, that we haven't updated the world, the podcast on? The world? No, I think we caught them up last week with everything that's going on. That's a good point. How do you think our episode did with Mariah? Well, did she, she did horribly. Us, did she give I'm us good kidding. ratings? She did, actually. I think um, we had like a pretty good amount of listens in the first couple of days. Yeah? So That yeah. was super fun um thanks again mariah yeah super appreciate it that was a good time yeah we also have people petitioning to be our next guest speaker <laughs> yeah, you want to tell them about that <laughs> yeah i got a message from our number one fan she's a little offended that she wasn't <laughs> our first our first guest speaker from from jesse sorry jesse <laughs> she was kidding but i thought that was hilarious <laughs> um yeah well without further ado anything else before i move on no just this baby has hiccups cool but so i'm not going to start with jokes today um i wanted to share some of the good things that happened in the world this week to kind of brighten everyone's day good things still happen in the world i don't go outside so i don't know yeah (laughs) okay so i will start with this one i thought you would find this one very interesting but um earlier this week scientists spot the brightest object ever which is over 500 trillion times more luminous than the sun. Is it you? Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Well, considering how good I am with my pronunciations, I would guess that it's not me. Okay. But, I mean, I'm probably up there. I'm just <laughs> yeah, kidding. <laughs> I would imagine so. Maybe like third, top 10. Oh, top 10 for sure. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 12 billion light years away. Nice. Brighter than 500 trillion suns. Whoa. It is growing in mass by the equivalent of one sun per day. Whoa. It's the fastest growing, so it's a black hole. 
It's the fastest growing black hole to date, but at 12 billion light years away, it probably burnt out a long time ago, mm-hmm. which makes absolutely no sense to me. But yeah, that was discovered this week. Cool. Pretty neat, huh? It makes no sense that we see it, but it probably doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. That's what you're talking about? Yeah. Mm. Okay, so that's the first good news of the week. The second good news is in LA earlier this week on the 20 third which is literally today firefighters helped rescue a 1200 pound horse named lucky from a backyard sinkhole lucky indeed exactly in the article they actually said lucky by name lucky by nature she was a 20 year old mare that she um fell into a sinkhole and she managed managed to avoid any serious injuries it took over 50 staff to assist in the rescue operation and they ended up using an excavator to get her out oh Cool. But she got out unharmed. That's awesome. Yay for Lucky. Good job, Lucky. All right. The last good news I wanted to share is on the 20th in Fort Worth at the Fort Worth Zoo in Texas, a mother gorilla named Sakani gave birth to her little baby via emergency C-section. Wow. So it's not... um, this wasn't like a completely new experience, but it's a very rare experience for animals to need emergency C-sections. Mm-hmm. But she had been experiencing human-like symptoms for preeclampsia, like similar symptoms that human moms experience. Uh-huh. Um, and so she was five weeks premature, but they called a doctor that worked with human babies. And the doctor said, yeah, if this was a human mother, we would be performing an emergency C-section on her today based off of her symptoms. And so they're like, okay, let's do it. Um, they needed to immediately resuscitate the baby, but she is alive and well, Yay. and so is the mom. And Yay. they named the baby Jamila, which means beautiful in Swahili. And it's also after Dr. Jamie, who helped give the C-section. Ah, clever. Deliver the baby. So. Clever. That is all the, I mean, there's there was a huge list for me to pick from, which made me really happy, but that's all the good news that I had prepared for today. But I just wanted to start off with some happy thoughts okay so what's the bad news just kidding (laughs) (laughs) the bad news is that it's my week so you get to listen to me talk for the rest of the episode okay that means they don't have to listen to me (laughs) all right enough bagging on ourselves we love each other and ourselves most of the time ourselves mostly yep proceed all right so i told you already what we're doing do you want to break the news to the rest of the world it is your episode so i will leave that up to you <sighs> okay well i wanted to Wait, no, come in what no you do it what were you gonna say no i was gonna say i want to do it but you do good no no you, no, do, you do it, it. You, do it. you do it you do it well at the same time ready <laughs> just kidding go ahead i'm done <laughs> This episode is a part two, um, a part two of my Daddy Kennedy episode where I talked about the Kennedys. Daddy Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> where I talked about the Kennedy family and their um, really tragic Cursed history. Curse, yeah. Where they all just die. Um, but this one's, th- so this story that I'm doing today is specifically covering uh, John F. Kennedy and his life and his presidency and his assassination uh and there actually i i I didn't know a ton about him but i'm actually surprised at how much i didn't know Mm -hmm. and i he's a pretty fascinating person so i'm excited to 
share that with you. Did you so. know he was president of the United States? <laughs> no way. No way. Well, for starters, his name is John Fitzgerald Kennedy. He was born on May 29th, 1917 in Massachusetts. Do you remember what number out of the nine kids he was? Four? No, number two. That was going to be my next guess. <laughs> so he's the second born out of nine children, and he was the second son, so he had an older brother. Um, so he was actually named after his grandfather, who was John Francis Fitzgerald, who was the mayor of Boston. Do you remember his uh, funny nickname? Daddy Kennedy? No, Honey Fitz. Oh, <laughs> other yeah. The other grandpa. Other grandpa. Okay, yeah, my bad. So Honey Fitz, he was named after him. So that's where he gets John Fitzgerald is because that's his grandpa's name. J.F. What does the K stand for? <laughs> Just yes. kidding. Okay, so Rose, his mother, uh, while he was growing up, she kept a detailed note card or kept detailed note cards of each of her children in a small wooden box as they grew. The notes included things like doctor's visits and how those went and just like cute little facts, like what their shoe size was at a certain age and how tall they were and yada, yada, yada. Hopper is currently a size six, but she is needing a size seven soon. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> they grow so fast. Yep. Ugh. Honestly, the hardest part is keeping up with it financially. <laughs> yeah, because they grow out of these clothes that you like literally just buy for them. Yeah, but I figure this is early 1900s. She has nine kids. It's a pretty impressive and, and smart way to keep track of everyone. Note cards and... Yeah, but we just have uh, our phones. They would document everything on. <laughs> our little, it's not a wooden box, but it's a little... Little rectangle. Yep, with the cloud just kidding the cloud <laughs> not the cloud so john was the second born like i said and he grew up being called jack from infancy that was his nickname um and so throughout the story that's what i'm gonna be referring to him as um i think when i get to his presidency though i'll start referring to him as jfk okay because calling him jack while re referring to his his time in office is a little bit weird yeah that makes sense <laughs> but when Jack was three years old, just before he turned three years old, it was February 20th, 1920, he was diagnosed with scarlet fever. Uh, he was highly contagious, and they determined that it was going to be life-threatening and most likely fatal, uh, which is really devastating because that's how old Harper is right now. Yep. I was just thinking that. Yeah. But you mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> You're the bad guy. <laughs> well, I just, you know, well, spoiler alert, that's not what caused his death. Um but i think we all knew that but it's still a stressful time you know yeah. he was hospitalized for over a month his dad visited him every single day in the hospital uh -huh. and then finally after about a month his health took a turn for the better and he made a mostly full recovery one thing that we learned from all of the notes that his mom took about him is that he was a very sick child he basically had sickness after sickness after sickness including scarlet fever um, he also had whooping cough, the measles, and chicken pox at different times. And his family actually used to make jokes that he was a danger to mosquitoes because if they were to bite <laughs> him, they would probably get some sort of disease. That's kind of a funny joke. <laughs> so, I like it. It kind of reminds me of my brother. Um, I have a brother that has cystic fibrosis. And with that, he also developed like Bell's palsy and he had seizures growing up. And he gets really sick. Like, his um, immune system just isn't as good as people who don't have CF. And so when he gets sick, he gets really sick. And so my mom used to always joke that, like, when we were all a family up in heaven before we came down to earth, we're all talking, like, 
okay, someone in the family has to have this. And like nobody's raising their hand. And Ethan's finally just like, all I'll right, I'll it. do it. And so and then it's like, okay, cool. Check. Now someone has to have this. And we're all just looking around like, Ooh. and he's like, all right, I'll take that too. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, that's just kind pile of. pile them on. <laughs> yeah. So I like that kind of humor where it's like, it's obviously not fun going through like what they went through, but at least they could have a good sense of humor about it. Yeah. Uh, da- so when he was three, his family moved into a neighborhood right outside of Boston. It was just a few minutes away from their old neighborhood. But the house they moved into had 12 bedrooms, turreted windows, which is like when the house has a curve, the win- the windows curve with it. Oh, cool. And so you get more of like a 360 view or mm-hmm. just like a wider view versus like one or two windows. That's cool. Um, and it also had a very big porch. So it was a, it was a beautiful home. Um, and it was during this time that if you remember, his dad was working on becoming a businessman and mm-hmm. making a name for himself. And he became very successful. Um, as we know, Jack had a very comfortable life growing up. Uh, so comfortable in fact, well, not only was his dad's business successful, but his grandparents on either side were successful politicians. Um, but with that being said, he was, they were pretty well off. And so, um, Around the time that he was eight is when they started visiting their summer house in Cape Cod. And around that time, seven of his siblings were already born. The only two that weren't there yet were Gene and Teddy. Uh, But when at this point also growing up, they had housekeepers and nannies. That's, you know, how wealthy they were. Uh Um, And every summer they would go to Cape Cod where they had a summer home where they would swim they would sail they would play football and then during those summers especially joseph senior the dad would encourage jack and all of his siblings especially the boys to be competitive in nature he wanted to teach them that um you want to win you want to be the best you want to succeed which looking at all of his siblings that was definitely a trait that they all had cool he encouraged the boys to be competitive especially in sports he was a father with very high expectations and wanted the boys to win at sports and everything they tried. He often used the phrase with them, quote, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. And of course, as brothers do, I'm sure you could relate to this. Oftentimes they would take things too far and it would result in injury. Hmm. One time Joe, the oldest son and Jack decided to race on their bicycles and they ended up heading or they ended up colliding head on. Joe, the older brother, walked away without injury. However, Jack needed 28 stitches because of it. Does that remind you of anything between you and your brother? No, not really. I mean, we have we got our spats, but nothing, nothing that bad. You guys weren't ever competitive with each other. I mean, we were. I don't know. I was very, I was a very submissive kid. So I'm just (laughs) like, like even now when we play games and everything, I'll get competitive, like to an extent. But like, I don't care if I win. And like, that's just that's just my mindset now. Because my brother would get upset if he lost. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah. yeah. But it's like, you know, we didn't have, like, I didn't have many friends growing up because we lived out in, <laughs> in, the, in, in the whoop whoop. <laughs> um, not the womp womp, the whoop whoop. So yeah, like my brother was like my only, like, you know, friend that I could play with. Uh, just to be clear, so I was like, saying womp womp to the fact that you didn't have any friends. I know. Oh, okay. I know. I was trying to, like, carry on with that joke, but it didn't, didn't like, translate very well. I'm sorry. I'm such a bully. You are. But it's <laughs> fine. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like I said, like, even now, I, I'm just, like, too competitive. I just hope everyone has fun. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thought 
um, that I, that I was going to share as well is instead of like if Talladega Nights was a thing or back then, my dad probably would have used the phrase "If you're not first, you're lost." I was thinking about that. Like, yeah, probably. Sounds like you've got Daddy Kennedy in the bag. Yep, <laughs> my boy. So during school, uh, it's I mean, without saying, Jack was pretty popular. He ended up attending a boarding school for high school. Um, in Connecticut. While he was there, he played tennis, basketball, football, and golf. He also loved to read and to write. Um, but some of the things that like he did there were a little bit quirky. Uh, he, it, I mean, it was noted by professors that he was a brilliant student, but he didn't work very hard. But he also, there was a friend of his that had said once, so the friend's name is Lem Billings, he once said that he thought it was weird that Jack had a subscription to New York Times while they were there, while he was in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was part of his personality. But again, he was very bright, but he just, you know, his mind and heart wasn't always in the schoolwork. So he didn't work as hard as he could. Um, and his dad obviously, like, knew his potential. So his dad wrote him a letter well, he was at school and I'm going to read part of it to you. Okay. So the letter said, now, Jack, I don't want to give the impression that I am a nagger for goodness knows. I think that is the worst thing any parent can be. And I also feel that, you know, if I didn't really feel you had the goods, I would be the I would be most charitable in my attitude towards your feelings. After long experience in sizing up people, I definitely know you have the goods and you can go a long way. It is very difficult to make make up fundamentals that you have neglected when you were very young. And that is why I'm urging you to do the best you can. I'm not expecting too much and I will not be disappointed if you don't turn out to be a real genius, but I think you can be a really worthwhile citizen with good judgment and understanding, end quote. So basically his dad's like, listen, I'm only being hard on you because I know you have what it takes to be really successful. And he, I love how he says, like, I'm not going to be disappointed if you don't turn out to be a real genius, but I really do think that you can be something of yourself. Yeah, I like that. Those are, like, pretty pretty encouraging words. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I love, though, that you can kind of see the dynamic that he has with his dad, where his dad really encouraged him to be the best that he could be. Yeah. You know? It's like, why waste that potential? I It'd also... Be- oh, good. It would be, like, just super frustrating knowing that, I mean, I, I see it even today. I even look at myself and I'm just like, I could do so much more. Just looking at other people and just thinking, like, you have so much potential. Why do you go off and just, like, waste it? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's very broad. He was talking to one person. I'm talking to everyone. <laughs> well, one thing I did like, too, in the letter is that he talked to his son as if he was, like, a peer yeah and he even mentions like i've done uh, you know my fair share of sizing people up and so i know that you're one of the good ones well bless you goodness me in 1936 after graduating from high school jack enrolled at harvard university he studied alongside of his brother joe and he and joe both played football as well jack wasn't as good of a player as joe was but he was very determined and hardworking. so he went to work and got really good and then he became a famous football player i'm just kidding he didn't <laughs> 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 one day actually while he was playing he ruptured a disc in his spine Oof. yeah and this ultimately ended his football career and he actually never fully recovered from this injury he had recurring back pain for the rest of his life because of it that's rough yeah you know a thing or two about 
a slip disc. Yeah, that was. I can easily say that's the most pain I've ever been in, and I've chopped off my I've chopped off my finger. <laughs> but yeah, both sucked. Um, okay, so between the two brothers, Joe was always the one that claimed that he would be the first ever Catholic president. Jack didn't really give the idea too much thought. It was always Joe's thing. However, Joe Kennedy Sr. always wanted at least one of his kids to become president. So, cool. In 1937, Joe Kennedy Sr. became the United States ambassador for England. So the whole family moved there besides Joe and Jack, who were still at Harvard. It was while visiting England and seeing his dad at work that sparked the interest in Jack to pursue politics. He actually went back to Harvard and started focusing more on history and government during his schooling because of it. The letters that they got from their father is what kept Jack and Joe informed about the growing tension in the world, and Joe Sr. had expressed fear that a full-blown war would soon begin. And on September 1st, 1939, Germany invaded Poland and World War II began. By this time, Jack was a senior at Harvard, and he had decided to write his thesis on why Great Britain was unprepared for war with Germany. It was later published as a book called Why England Slept, and in June of 1940, Jack graduated from Harvard. His father sent him a cablegram from London <laughs> that said, quote, two things I always knew about you. One, that you are smart. Two, that you are a swell guy. Love, dad. End quote. That's sweet. Yeah. They have that back in your day. <laughs> back in my day. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay. So after graduation, both Joe and Jack joined the Navy as you may remember from the last time I talked about the Kennedys, uh, Joe became a flyer and was sent to Europe. Meanwhile, Jack was a lieutenant, was made lieutenant, and he was assigned to the South Pacific as a commander of a patrol torpedo boat, which was the PT-109. The PT Bonham? Mm. Just kidding. He was an odd fellow. Ha. <laughs> ha. So this part I actually thought was a really cool story. So I took this whole thing directly from jfklibrary.org okay so this is starting uh this whole section starting from there and i'll let you know when it's done but it says kennedy had so jack kennedy had a crew of 12 men whose mission was to stop japanese ships from delivering supplies to their shoulder soldiers on the night of august 2nd 1943 lieutenant kennedy's crew patrolled the waters looking for enemy ships to sink a Japanese destroyer suddenly became visible, but it was traveling at full speed and heading straight towards them. Oof. Holding the wheel, Lieutenant Kennedy tried to swerve out of the way, but to no avail. The much larger Japanese warship rammed the PT-109, splitting it in half, killing two of Lieutenant Kennedy's men. The others managed to jump off as their boat went up in flames. Lieutenant Kennedy was slammed hard against the cockpit, once again injuring his weak back. Mm. Uh, Patrick Mc, I think it's McMahon, one of the crew members, had horrible burns on his face and hands and was ready to give up. In the darkness, Lieutenant Kennedy managed to find McMahon and haul him back to where the other survivors were clinging to a piece of the boat that was still afloat. At sunrise, Lieutenant Kennedy led his men toward a small island several miles away. Despite his own injuries, Lieutenant Kennedy was able to tow Patrick mcmahon ashore a strap from his life jacket clenched between his teeth wow six days later two native islanders islanders found them and went for help delivering a message jack had carved into a piece of coconut shell the next day the pt 109 crew was rescued and that's the end of the excerpt from 
the pretty cool story website. though. Yeah, I thought that was super cool because I, I mean, I knew that he had served in the war. I didn't know at to, like to what extent, but to think that he had this near death experience where he literally spent a whole night in the ocean with nine others clinging to life, and then they swam miles to an island that they spotted just because of daylight. Mm-hmm. Like that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And then they were on that island for six days, not knowing if they'd ever be found. Yeah, that's pretty scary. But at least they had each other and friendship. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay, Miles. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. Jack. Jack's brother, Joe, if you remember, was not so lucky. He died a year later when his plane blew up during the dangerous mission that he was on in mm-hmm. Europe. After returning home, Jack was awarded the Navy and Marine Corps Medal for his bravery. And at that point, he was trying to decide what he wanted to do after the war. He originally was considering becoming a teacher or a writer. However, after his older brother's death, um, he was inspired to step into his older brother's shoes and become more of a leader. And so between that and his father's guidance, he decided to run for Congress in Massachusetts 11th Congressional District. He won in 1946. Uh, which started his political career. He served three terms, which is six years, as a Democrat in the House of Representatives. In 1952, he was elected to the U.S. Senate. And when he was 36, he married his sweetheart, Jacqueline Bouvier, um, who was a writer for New York Times. She was 24 at the time, and he was 36, but we'll look past it. Shortly after their marriage, Jack started having more issues with his back, which led him to have two serious operations. During his recovery, Jack wrote a book called Profiles in Courage. It is about several U.S. senators who risked their careers to fight for the things they believed in, and the book was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for Biography in 1957, which pretty cool. Yeah. That same year, Jack and Jacqueline welcomed their first child, Caroline. Um, and at this point in his life, he was gaining popularity in politics. He almost was selected to run for vice president in 1956. Um, and although he missed the opportunity to do that, he decided that that wasn't going to stop him from running for president the following term. So once he had decided to run for president, um, he got busy touring the country and spreading his campaign. On July 13th, 1960, Jack was elected as the Democratic candidate for president. He asked Lyndon B. Johnson, a senator from Texas, to run as his vice president. And on November 8th, 1960, at the age of 43, Jack defeated the vice president, Richard Nixon, Nixon, in a very close race. He was the youngest man ever elected as president at the time, and he was the first Catholic elected as well. So he was right. Well, that was his brother's dream. His brother was almost right. Yeah. So right before his inauguration, his second child john jr was born in november and his dad liked to call john jr john john (laughs) so that was his little nickname growing up and if you remember john jr is actually the one that died in 1999 when he was 38 and he was the one driving or not driving he was flying the plane to a wedding Mm. and he and his sister-in-law i think his wife as well all died sad there were three people in the plane, and they all passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, on January 20th, 1961, Jack was sworn in as the 35th president of the United States. In his inaugural speech, he spoke for spoke of the needs for all Americans to be active citizens. Quote, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. End quote. 
He also asked the nations of the world to join together to fight what he called the common enemies of man, which were tyranny, poverty, disease, and war itself. Because of his age and his two young children, he brought a lot of youthful excitement into the White House and into the country. They wanted the White House to be a place to celebrate American culture and history and achievement. So they kind of started the tradition of bringing in guests to the White House. It wasn't like they started it, but they like really amped it up Mm -hmm. so those guests were people like artists writers scientists poets musicians actors and athletes um and they were over very frequently um they also made it or jacqueline specifically made it her goal to restore the white house so that every room reflected america's history and artistic creativity neat yeah so they made it like a, a point to really welcome their home to really show like the american spirit which i thought was pretty cool yeah I mean, so, no better place in the White House to do that. Exactly. It was also a place that was pretty fun for their kids growing up. There was a preschool, a swimming pool, and a tree house outside of the White House lawn. Nice. And it was noted that although President Kennedy was, you know, a very busy man, he also took the time to play with his kids, swim with them, play in their tree house with them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of his main concerns, though, as president was the possibility of a nuclear war between the United States and the Soviet Union because the countries um, were so distrusting of each other. They both spent enormous amounts of money on nuclear weapons, and there were a scary amount of times that a struggle between the two countries could have ended up in a nuclear battle, one example being the missile crisis in Cuba in 1962. Another notable thing is during his pregnancy... Oh, sorry. Uh, during his pregnancy pregnancy during his presidency <laughs> i was gonna say i'm like he wasn't pregnant <laughs> during his presidency he worked long hard hours he would often wake up at 7 a.m and stay up all day until about 11 or 12 at night uh during his breakfast he would read from six different newspapers to stay up to date and then he would go off to meetings during the day and he would uh jump between that and reading reports from his advisors so he's constantly on the go He had the idea that he wanted America to move forward to a, quote, new frontier, end quote, being more of a mindset than a place, which was meant to be like a place of growth and discovery and peace, along with improvements in both science and education. One of his first accomplishments as president was creating the Peace Corps with the program. Americans can volunteer to work anywhere in the world with assistance that assistance is needed, Um, that assistance, including education, farming, healthcare, and construction. And President Kennedy was also eager, which I think you'll find fascinating. For the space race. lead the way in exploring space. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that last week. The Soviet Union was ahead of the United States in its space program, and President Kennedy was determined to catch up. He said, quote, no nation which expects to be the leader of other nations can expect to stay behind in this race for space, end quote. Kennedy was the first president to ask Congress to approve more than $22 billion for Project Apollo, which had the goal of landing an American man on the moon before the end of the decade. Arguably, though, the biggest issue that he faced in America was the racial discrimination. The Supreme Court ruled that racial segregation in public schools would no longer be permitted, um, and it was mandated that black and white students would study together in the same classrooms. However, A lot of schools, especially in southern states, did not follow that rule. And so racial segregation was still a really big issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was also an issue in like public places like buses and theaters and cafes. Yeah, exactly. Restaurants, things like that. 
So during his presidency, of course, thousands of Americans gathered to protest racial discrimination, discrimination. And one of the leaders of that movement was Martin Luther King Jr. He and a bunch of other civil rights leaders didn't think that JFK supported their cause enough because he was really submissive about it. Mm-hmm. And he had a defense about it, but it wasn't arguably a good one. <laughs> he basically was like, well, I don't want to make... And I, he didn't say this exactly, but he basically just didn't want to make white people mad, which was part of the problem. Yeah. And like, as unfortunate as it is, like at the time, I get it. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you're trying to lead a nation. Mm-hmm. Well... He backed but, that up by saying that if they were mad about this, then it would slow down the progression because right. then yeah. people wouldn't vote for it because they were ticked off, you know? Because, yeah. like, people people don't care really much about the policies. People care about the people who are putting those policies into place mm-hmm. and who are, like, you know, writing them up and everything like that. Um, so it could be, like, the best policy or best law or whatever ever written but if you don't like that person you're gonna vote against it yeah and that's like we don't like talking about politics but that's like my biggest pet peeve with politics yeah yeah well regardless that was what he originally said but he did change his mind and by june 11th of 1963 he decided the time had come for him to take a stronger stance and he proposed a new civil rights bill to Congress, and he went on television asking Americans to end racism. He said, quote, 100 years of delay have passed since President Lincoln freed the slaves, yet their heirs, their grandsons, are not fully free. He said, this nation was founded by men of many nations and backgrounds, and on the principle that all men are created equal, end quote. So after that, you know, civil rights movements were passed and everything was... Fine and dandy. Moving on. Um, <laughs> Fine and dandy. No, it, I just don't want to go more into that. That's fair. Um, anyways, but it, it was just cool. He finally stood up for the people and just said, okay, this needs to happen. This needs to happen now. And he didn't shy away from it either. Like, he went on television mm-hmm. and was like, this is a problem. Let's address it and let's fix it. So, anyways, on November 21st, 1963, President Kennedy flew to Texas to give several political speeches the next day, on November 22nd, as his car drove slowly past cheering crowds in Dallas, Texas, shots were fired through the crowd. Jack was shot once in the back and once in the head, and he was seriously wounded and rushed straight to Parkland Hospital. He was pronounced dead at 1 p.m. just 30 minutes later. Within a few hours of the shooting, police, ale- police arrested Lee Harvey Oswald and charged him, charged him with the murder. On November 24th, another man, Jack Ruby, shot and killed Oswald, thus silencing the only person who could have offered more information about the tragic event, which is really unfortunate because that means we'll never actually get answers. Mm -hmm. The Warren Commission was organized to investigate the assassination and to clarify the many questions which have remained, um, but people still either don't believe the answers that we've gotten or still have questions. His death obviously caused enormous grief and sadness throughout the entire country. Most people can even still remember where they were and what they were doing when they heard the news, which is interesting because there's people that we know that were alive when this happened, but it feels like this was so long ago. Yeah. You know, but then again, that's how some other events that have happened feel for newer generations. Like, for example, 9-11. Like, I remember where I was. 
I was in like kindergarten or first grade and I still remember it, you know, but like my little sisters who weren't even alive probably look at it the same way that we do or that we, we would with this assassination. It's mm-hmm. like, you just hear about it in history books. You don't actually, you weren't there. Yeah. Like you can't like p- put yourself in that place. Yeah. You obviously weren't there. Anyways, hundreds of thousands of people gathered in Washington for the president's funeral and millions throughout the world watched it on television. Uh, as the years have gone by, you know, and, and presidents have come and gone, a lot of them have served arguably much longer terms than he has, you mm-hmm. know, one or two, which puts them at four to eight years, whereas he only served three, yet he's arguably one of the most impactful presidents mm-hmm. ever that we've ever had. Um, but a lot of people are respected basically that he, not not only his, you know, personality and accomplishments, but his leadership in general and just the ability that he had to make good decisions when faced with, you know, difficult situations. Uh, For example, again, the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, the uh, segregation between black people and white people, racial segregation. Anyways, uh, they also admire, people have said they admire his ability to inspire others with his eloquent speeches, which you could also say is partially to do with the fact that he was so into reading and writing growing up and you know is a published author as well a lot of people have said that although he wasn't a perfect president he was always optimistic about the future and he believed that people could solve their common problems if they put their country's interests first and work together so his mindset alone inspired other people to try and be better because he believed that we could all be better so everyone else wanted to be if that makes sense yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> cool. Well, that's mm, pretty much it that I had as far as his story goes, because at this point, like, his story has ended. However, I did want to read off some fun facts that I found about him. So, first and foremost, he played baseball as a pitcher in his school years. He was a right-handed pitcher and a third baseman. He threw out the opening day pitch for Washington, who were playing Baltimore, on April 8th, 1963. So the year that he died, he played the opening day pitch, which is pretty cool. Fun fact number two, he drove a 1959 Pontiac convertible coupe. Do you know what that is? I mean, it's a car. What was the year one more time? 1959. Pontiac? hmm I mean, I know what a Pontiac is. Is it, was, it a two-seat Pontiac? Probably. It was a convertible. Nice. <laughs> it reminds me of the um, that song, Oh, We Can I Smile. Yeah. From um, Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. That was like one of our, uh, fun fact about us, that was one of our like early relationship songs. Songs, yeah. Yeah. Good memories. (laughs) Fun fact number three, he smoked four to five cigars a day. Another fun fact, he was six foot and one inch tall. Tall than I am. I'm only 5'10". Well, he was 6'1". On a good day. Just kidding. Um, They had lots of pets while they were in office. Those pets included two parakeets named Bluebell and Maybell, three dogs named Charlie, Pushinka, and Clipper, and two ponies named Macaroni and Tex. I love that Macaroni name. (laughs) His, so another fun fact, this one's not as fun. Oh, no, just kidding. Um, I was going to say that his son had passed away in a plane crash, but I took that out as a fun fact because... It's just a tragic part yeah, of the story. It's not that fun. 
But the fun fact that I replaced it with is that his nephew, Robert Jr. Kennedy, is currently running for president in the 2024 election as a Democratic candidate, which is pretty cool. Full circle. And number number seven, I have 10 fun facts. This is number seven. Kennedy supposedly wrote his own spy book, but he never released it. That is interesting. <laughs> it's probably in like the the archives of the White House. I From the way that the sentence was phrased, I'm pretty sure it was a fictional spy book. But I wonder if he like oh. implemented fictional right that's what i'm I, that's what i don't know it's because like when i first heard it i was thinking like spy kids or something right <laughs> but you never know okay number eight during meetings uh he would often doodle sailboats on his papers okay yep <laughs> he was human just like all of us uh number nine when he was the only president oh he was the only president to win a purple heart uh, he was awarded the Purple Heart for his service in the Pacific during World War II. Two other former presidential candidates, John Kerry and John McCain, were Purple Heart recipients, but he was the only president. And then last fun fact that I have written down is that he recorded conversations in the White House unknowingly. Like, he knew it, but other people didn't know it. That's sneaky. <laughs> he wasn't the first president to record private conversations in the White House, uh, the first president to do so was Franklin D. Roosevelt. However, one theory for Kennedy taping the conversations was that the president had already written two books and wanted the tapes for when he wrote his memoirs after leaving office. Many tapes, however, have been declassified over the past decades. So so we can listen to him? Yeah. If cool. You want. I don't know how interested I would be. They're probably just like very everyday conversations, but... Yeah, maybe... What if there's spy stuff in them? Ooh, I got his <laughs> spy book. Yeah, so that is... Oh, just kidding. I wanted to also share the top five theories for his assassination. I'm not going to go into the theories, but I just want to tell you what they are. So the first... Mo- these are the most popular ones. So the first one would be the Grassy Knoll, which is... Um, hold on, where do I want to start? In 1976, the Select Committee of Assassinations, which reinvestigated JFK's killings, um, concluded that there was, quote, probably a second shooter on the Grassy Knoll, which was a hill overlooking the site where Kennedy was assassinated. So the Grassy Knoll is one of the most popular theories, is that there was a second shooter there. Um, another theory that's really popular is the Umbrella Man, which is one that I had heard. Had you heard that one? No, I don't know that one. So the Umbrella Man, um, in some of the photographs, while he's, you know, in the crowd, is there's one man carrying an umbrella. And it was a sunny day in Dallas, Texas. Nobody else had umbrellas. Like, why would you need one? And so people say that it was used as a signal for the shooter. So someone opened up the umbrella to signal the shooter it's time to shoot. Um, And some people even said that there was like a poisonous dart that flew from the umbrella, which obviously didn't happen. Um, That'd be very impressive if they had like (laughs) the accuracy from just like an umbrella popping out. Right. Shooting a poison dart like right at him in a moving vehicle. Right. I don't remember exactly the situation, but... Oh, here it is. Um, The guy who carried the umbrella actually revealed that he simply wanted to heckle the president. Apparently, it was a, quote, sore spot for the Kennedy family due to its association with the British prime minister. And so he basically was just, like, trying to mess with them. It was, like, some relation to the British prime minister, and he was just being a butt. The next theory that's pretty popular is that it was a mob hit, and that it was an act of... Like, mobs from Cuba 
or some other mafia trying to end the presidency. Um, and then the most popular, oh, sorry, there's two more. This one is perhaps the most frightening, in my opinion, is that the government did it, that he was assassinated by the United States government. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the last of the most popular was that Ted Cruz's father was somehow involved. And this is actually a relatively new conspiracy theory because of something that Trump said during an interview about Ted Cruz's father knowing Lee Harvey Oswald. So those are the conspiracies. Any thoughts? What about like the the time travel conspiracy? That one I didn't look into. I don't think that one's super popular. And I just wanted to do like... I was like half kidding. Oh, I mean, it is a conspiracy. (laughs) Like that is a theory. Um, but these ones were just the most popular, so I didn't touch on it. No, there's a show called The Umbrella Academy Mm -hmm. on Netflix. And that one, one of the characters without giving like a huge history, he's like the, one of the like main characters. He's the one that like goes back in time and like performs a lot of these assassinations for like this kind of like, I don't know, multidimensional or time police kind of thing Uh yeah it's it's interesting but well i had definitely heard that before so i don't know if that theory came because of the show or if the show wrote it in because it's already a theory i'm sure it was the latter yeah you think so the show wrote it in because of the time travel theory interesting that's my guess because the shows i mean it's based off of a comic book but i i've never read the comic book so i don't know how accurate the tv show is but the tv show only came out like a few years back gotcha well cool well that is all i have for you that is the story of our 35th president united states jfk john f kennedy aka jack so did you enjoy the story i did good i think he's a pretty fascinating president Mm -hmm. and i do think it is a shame that it ended earlier than it should have because he did I think he was on a good path for for America. Yeah. I think it's super cool that he made such an impact in such a short amount of time. Yeah. You know, three years and arguably still one of the most influential presidents that Mm -hmm. we've ever had. But yeah. There are a lot of jokes about, on Family Guy, naturally, (laughs) about the assassination. And they they bring it up like once in a while. I won't share them because, you know, out of respect. They're probably inappropriate. They are. (laughs) Well, like, not crude inappropriate, but just like... You know, time and place. Right, yeah. And it's sure. a, it's cartoon, so anyway. Yeah, um, and it's it's Family Guy. It's Family Guy, yeah. They can get away with a lot. Um, but anyway, yeah, thanks. That was a that was cool. It was good to know a little bit more about about Jack. Yeah, I had fun researching it. This was actually um, so when I did the Daddy Kennedy story of the family. Uh, I had said at the end, like, if you guys want a part two, let us know. And we did hear back that we wanted a part two. So this wasn't just me being like, I'm interested. I I was interested, but this is also me fulfilling that request. So I hope you guys all enjoyed that. And yeah. Are there more conspiracies about like the curse and stuff like that on the family too? Yeah. Maybe maybe like a part three. (laughs) No. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's funny. Conspiracies are fun though. Well, we should probably uh, head out and get going. But before we do... Just let you guys all know that you guys are awesome and you can catch us on any of our socials and please send in your stories to familypodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to tell your friends, share us wherever you are at too. 
on social media. Um, just spread the word. Yeah. I did spread the word um, the other day. We had like a, a new guy jump on the like uh, on our team at work. And one of the questions for like the, the meet and greet was, what's the best podca- podcast you can recommend? I'm like, uh, duh, <laughs> our podcast. Yeah. So if you guys are listening, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> oh, and just before we go, I wanted to tell you, Miles, that I finally watched that documentary that you were telling me on clocks. I figured it's about time. <laughs> you are so funny. Okay, okay, one more. A guy walked into a bar. Ouch. And he lost the limbo contest. (laughs) All right, bye, everyone.